one of the, the joys of my life is getting to this prayer time and seeing people move across the room and, and pray for one another and circle up and pray. And it's not just something that we're doing just to, to fill time, but fully expecting that God is going to move in powerful ways. And so I just love it because this is a community of expectation, a community of people that are looking and longing for the kingdom of God to come in powerful ways. Um, well, this morning I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. And uh, I'm going to invite Dan Peterbolt to join me up here. Um, someone gave him a hoo-hoo. Dan is going to be uh, teaching with me, and I am super, super excited. Um, you can have a seat. We don't have to stand the whole time. Your legs are tired anyway. We'll get, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, that'll make sense in a, in a little bit. But uh, I want to read Luke chapter 21, um, starting at verse 8. And this is Jesus' teaching on uh, the end times. And uh, we read uh, last week out of Matthew 24 and uh, talked about the signs of the end times. And Jesus said, I want you to be prepared. And this is what's going to happen. And then you will know that the end is, there, is near. And so this morning, I want to look at Jesus' words from Luke chapter 21, Luke's account of this. And uh, there's one word that I want to draw uh, to our attention this morning. Um, really focuses in on our hearts. And what should our heart posture be in these uncertain times? How should we be living? And, and frankly, like as I talk about that, like how should we be living? I, I think in light of all that's gone on, in light of the uncertainty that we see, in light of you know, the news that we're watching or whatever, um, what has been your response to those events? What has, has moved in your heart? And I asked that question last week, like how have you been, been stirred to be more obedient, to walk more by faith? Like what has been your response as you have looked uh, on the world and, and seen so many uncertain times? You know, I think one uh, response could be uh, to, to cower in fear and be like, oh no, what's going on? But that's not the response that Jesus would want us to have. He wants us to be filled with faith and to be looking for opportunities to share the hope that we have in Jesus with people in these uncertain times and to long for and look and expect really that the Lord is going to transform more lives, that there's going to be more people with dreams of Jesus and seeing Jesus and uh, seeing more people come to faith. Like that is the thing that is amazing me, me uh, frankly, is just seeing many people turn from darkness into light and come into relationship with uh, the Father through Jesus. And so I want to read from Luke 21 and uh, highlight a couple things and have Dan share as well. And so let's start reading at verse 8 of Luke uh, 21. It says, and he said, Jesus said, he responded to their questions about the, the end times. He says, see that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. I love Jesus' heart here. Like, this is the heart of a shepherd. This is the heart of our Savior. This is the heart of our King. He's talking with his disciples. They're overlooking the temple, and they're interacting with him and asking him questions. And he says, I'm going to share things with you so that you won't be terrified. Jesus doesn't want us to live in fear. He doesn't want us to be freaked out by all that's going on. He's like, this is what's going to happen, and then the end will come. And he talks about coming back, and he says, yeah, there's going to be some difficulty and some things that you're going to have to endure, some things that you're going to have to go through, but don't live in fear. Instead, live with this expectation because the end is close. And he goes on and he says, and he said to them in verse 10, nation will rise 
against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences or diseases. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Verse 19 again, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. That phrase is, a, is actually found in Matthew's account and in Mark's account. Um, Matthew says this in, in Matthew 24, verse 12, the one who endures to the end will be saved. And as I read Luke 21, that word popped out off the page to me, endurance. Because that is, is something that is seen throughout Scripture as a, an elevated character trait, that the, the Lord is looking for those who will be faithful, those who will be steadfast, those who will endure to the end, not swerve from uh, a deliberate purpose, not uh, moved off course, um, loyal no matter what comes. This is what our lives should be the goal of our lives, to endure to the end. Hebrews 12 says, let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. And this is, comes after a long list of people who were faithful all the way to the very end, even though they didn't see all that God had promised them. They were faithful their entire lives. They endured until the end. All throughout Hebrews, it talks about perseverance, holding firm into the end. And too often, this picture that I got, too often the, the lives that we are drawn to uh, in, in Christian circles are lives that like burn bright and hot for a moment. I think too often we're drawn to uh, people who kind of live like a match. We're like all of a sudden burn bright and then kind of fade away. It'll slowly fade. Like we think, okay, this is the Christian life. I burn hot for a second and then, you know what, I'm just going to coast. But you and I eventually know that eventually this match is going to go out, right? It's going to burn me or burn out. Fortunately, it burned out first. But that, I think, gets a lot of attention in our culture today. We'll look at people's lives and all of a sudden, wow, wow, that was amazing that they did, or that, wow, that was sensational, or wow, they did this or that, and then all of a sudden, they fade away. Or we've heard of so many people who maybe were on a platform or doing amazing things, and then all of a sudden, there's a falling away. That's not the life that God is after. He wants us to, to live and to run the race with endurance. And I thought, like, imagine if this had like an endless supply of oil. Like this is the Christian life. This is the life that, that we are to shoot for. This is the goal to, to, to endure till the end. Those who endure will be saved. Imagine if this never ran out. This was just this endless supply and we were constantly connected to the Lord. That flame would continue to burn hot and bright. And that is what we're after as a community. To live this life, to run the race with endurance, not just, wow, I did that back in my 20s or I did that back in my 30s and now I'm just kind of coasting. No, to, to walk faithfully with the Lord, being used by him every day of our lives. Those who will endure to the end 
will be saved. You've heard the phrase, um, it's a long obedience in the same direction. That's the Christian life, the long obedience in the same direction. And when I was thinking about this word endurance, as I thought about this is what the Lord is after in our hearts, I thought about, like, or asked the question, who do I know that uh, has gone a long way in the same direction? Who do I know that, that knows something about endurance? Who do I know that just maybe tortures himself as he just continues to go for mile after mile after mile? And that's what brought me to uh, Dan. And I invited him to share uh, a little bit about of what he did recently. Uh, maybe some of you know, maybe you, some, some of you don't know, but uh, he had a little adventure that he'll share uh, uh, about uh, in just a second, but then also there are some things that he's learned um, over that uh, uh, through that process, and uh, we're going to interact around that as we talk about endurance uh, this morning. And so, Dan, why don't you share uh, a little bit about what uh, what you just endured? Yeah. I'm from Rosemary, Morocco. I have 100 So, first question. So I'm looking nowhere of my area in the past. And I think she's done a really young student. And she kind of died and I passed it up. And I decided to to America. And I turned around and I turned around and I turned around and I said, yeah, and we go after it. You willingly did this, right? No one forced to do this. Okay, okay, okay. Paid it to do this. All right. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> so that's a long way. Um, 110 kilometers, 68 miles. Um, that's a long way. Um, all of those steps. Um, I know you shot a video and you uh, to the men's group and you said I'm. Uh, 50 some odd th uh, thousand steps in looking forward to the next 17 miles. Um, it's a long way. So how does one run a long way? How, do, how does one like continue to go in that direction uh, for the long haul without giving up? Down, signed up for the day, so it was a long, then it became a 
Know your why. Make it visible. Put it out there so you're looking at it every day. Um, and, and the scary part is telling others about it. Don't keep it to yourself because when you share it with others, you share it with, with brothers and share it with Dave and, and you know my family, you gain some accountability and, and people will ask you about it and it forces you to keep, um, keep, you know, keep going towards that. Um, and, and the question that I like to be asking myself all the time, you know, through training, through whatever is, what am I doing today to move closer to that goal? And, and that helps keep it fresh. It helps keep um, just a reminder of, you know, what you need to do. So if you're going to do something difficult, have that as a visible goal. And it's got to be a reminder every day. What would you say to people when they would say, okay, that's a nice goal, but you're kind of crazy? Yeah, I'm, I'm not crazy. I'm just not you. <laughs> say, that, say that again. You're not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm just not you. Yeah, yeah it's really good. And, and I you know, think of being different. Yeah. You know, I think this is something that endurance requires. It, it requires you to be willing to be different because our culture is a culture of comfort convenience and you have to be okay to be different because when people hear what you're doing you know some will encourage you but many will just say oh, that's nuts you know that's that's ridiculous um, it, it's okay to be different you, you don't have to you don't have to conform and, and go along yeah are, are you willing to be different I think that's a great question for us to, to ask ourselves in this world are we willing to be different are we willing to um, be set apart and to have the world look at us and go like, oh, they're a peculiar per person. Like, they're different. Like, they're not, they're not doing what everybody else is doing. Um, they're beating to a different drum. Are we willing to, to, to be different? But I also like what uh, Dan said about uh, endurance. Like, what is the key to endurance? It's to have a goal. It's to have that why. It's to have the, the reason behind your life. You know, and, and really, like, the, that's a question that we all need to settle. What is the, the, the goal of your life? What is the, the goal, the thing that, that you are shooting for uh, in your life? What is the deepest desire, the deepest purpose of your life? I was listening to a, a talk uh, just a couple weeks ago, and this person said, uh, what is the, the interior vision of your life? What is the interior vision? What is the why of your life? You know, so often we talk about exterior vision, and exterior vision are those things that people do. Interior vision is the why behind what they do. And so often time and energy and effort is given to this exterior vision. And exterior vision can change over time. You know, where you work, uh, where you live, all of that uh, changes over time. But interior vision doesn't change. Especially as a follower of Jesus, we have to have that, that same singular interior vision. And, and it's in this passage that we are reading. Over and over again, it says, you will be brought before people for my name's sake. You will be persecuted for my name's sake. Because people identify you as a follower of Jesus, you will be persecuted. You will be hated. Like, and that is all throughout Scripture. The why behind our lives. The interior vision of our lives is for his name's sake. To, to bring Jesus glory. To live lives that, that don't point to us, but to bring God glory in everything that we do. I mean, turn to, to Psalm 23. I just love this as there's so many verses that I could, could uh, point to. But Psalm 23, we love Psalm 23. And it says this, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. As soon as I get to the passage. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. We love that passage. We love how it says, okay, he restores my soul. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures and, and rest. He does all of this. But why does he do it? Why does he do it? So often we're like, oh, he's doing it for me. No, he, he does it in verse 3, for his name's sake. So that he will receive the glory and honor that he alone deserves. As things get difficult, as we're persecuted, as we go through hard times, we have to have the, the, the clear vision of our lives to be what is going to bring God the most glory. How is God going to be most glorified in my life? That has to be the, the goal behind our lives, and that will lead us to living a life filled with endurance, even as difficulty comes, because there's difficulty in this passage. But Jesus says, this difficulty, this suffering that's going to come up, it's an opportunity for you to bear witness about him. It's an opportunity for you to, to share about Jesus, but it's also an opportunity for you to grow because we know as followers of Jesus, we have to look at suffering and adversity and difficulty differently than the world. James talks about that. Consider it pure joy. Consider pure joy when you face trials. I don't know how many people are looking at trials and being like, sweet, I'm going through trials. No, consider it pure joy when you face trials of any kinds. Why? Because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness so that you may be perfect, complete, not lacking in anything. There's something that suffering produces. There's something that, that difficulty does in our lives. It's an opportunity to testify to the Lord, but it's also an opportunity to grow. And so you've come across some adversity in your training and in uh, the race. Why don't you talk about uh, the, the difficulties that you had running 110 kilometers? Yeah, every, uh, I always like to say, you know, every run has a purpose. And, and in the training runs uh, and others, there's almost always something that goes wrong. It's very rare that you have a perfect day. Sometimes it's, you know, you trip and fall, you get injured. Other times it's a twisted ankle. Sometimes it's just a heart's that racing fast. Sometimes you can't catch your breath. There's always stuff that, you know, that makes it difficult. And looking at those things, you, you have to just that's the lesson of, okay, I, I made it through a day where my heart couldn't keep up, or I made it through a day when I fell and I was bleeding and I still finished. Um, and that's the lesson of adversity is you, you expect it. You have to be in anticipation that, you know, when I start the day, there's going to be pain at some point in, in this 110 kilometers. I don't know when it's going to come. I don't know what form it's going to take. But at some point, there will be some stuff that goes wrong. And I, I get, I try to train myself to really to welcome it and, and to actually treat it like someone is coming to your door and you say, yeah, well, there you are. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for, I knew you would be here. I knew you'd arrive and now you're here. And, and then we deal with it. And you can, a lot of different tools that you can deal with, you know, use to deal with it. One of the things that I do is use the power of the spoken word. It, it relates to, I will say out loud, I will never quit. I will never quit. And people that maybe have seen me running will be, what the heck is this guy talking about? He's talking to himself. But speaking that out loud makes a very big difference in the reality of around you. You're hearing yourself say it, I will never quit. So in, um, in this race, um, a number of things started to go wrong. It wasn't just one. Um, it was several. It started probably with the chicken tagine the night before. Um, had had given me a little bit of the, 
you know, diarrhea, uh, which is not how you want to start a long race. Um, it was incredibly hot. I didn't have enough water with me. Um, my digestion, at some point, I just couldn't eat my gels anymore. So, you know, we take gels with us, and I'm popping the gels. You have to keep taking in calories because you're spending that. And if you don't fuel your machine, you will run out of gas. And, yeah, probably about mile 15 or 16 I was in, and we got to the very hilly section. And I don't know if it will show up maybe in the pictures at some point. You'll see some hills in the background. Um, where it just got really difficult. And it, it wasn't, it, it was painful, of course, but I'm used to the pain. The pain wasn't the problem. Um, it was starting to just become desperate. Of I was out of energy. I was dehydrated. Um, I had blisters on my hands from the poles. It was actually shortly after that, we ran down through the valley and up the other side, um, where I, I never had a moment of I'm going to quit, but I started to think about, can, how am I going to make this? This is becoming very difficult. Am I going to get pulled by the medical teams because of, you know, I just don't look like I have a soul anymore? Or is, you know, is, is the time going to run out and I'm going to get clocked out for not, for not finishing the time? And that was when, you know, I didn't want to text and run. So I recorded a couple of videos, sent one to Rose, pretty short of, hey, I'm struggling, need some prayer. Sent one to the men's group. I sent one to my team at work, and then put my phone back in my in my vest and and just kept walking. And you could hear the little beeps were coming, so I, I could feel that people were praying for me. I had you know this kind of this feeling of inter interceding. There was people that were interceding for me, and the the verse that started going through my head was, "I look to the to the hills, lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my strength come from?" I thought, well, how ironic because these hills are killing me. But I started thinking, you know, my strength doesn't come from my walking poles. It doesn't come from my sexy shoes or my fancy gels or the water electrolytes. It comes from the Lord. So I started just praying, almost pleading, Jesus, give me strength for these next five steps. And just repeating that over and over and over. And I suddenly realized that I'm up the hill. I was, I was down. So I was like, well, that's pretty neat. Let's, let's keep that going. Continued to pray and hour after hour started ticking off and began to realize I'm getting closer to the checkpoint four, which was a big milestone for me because there was only eight miles left then. And that, that anxiety faded away and turned into just a gratitude, overwhelming gratitude for God had gotten me through that. I, I was no longer suffering. I was getting very close to the end of day one and, and ready to finish. Finished day one, uh, just in really rough shape. I was, I was, I was struggling. Managed to get some dinner. Uh, was laying down. My, you know, legs were spasming. I, I should have recorded a video because my calf was doing gymnastics in and of itself. But, but as I laid there, I, I think I texted you, Dave, just saying, "I'm excited for tomorrow to see what the Lord is going to do." Because I was praying for healing. Others were praying for healing. And I just had this overwhelming expectation that God would not get me through today to let me fail tomorrow. I just knew it was going to be an exciting. Slept like a baby with colic. Was up every hour. Just could not get rest. Started the next day early. Felt a little discomfort, but was ready to go. By the time the race started, I got to the starting line. And I'm telling you, family, I was fresh. There was just no pain, no discomfort. 
was not tired, was absolutely excited and ready to go. Started the run with my normal group of, of old people and they were you know, doing a walk-run strategy and I realized quickly I didn't need that. I was good to go. And just said, I'll see you guys at the finish line. Took off running and it was the easiest 30 miles I've ever run. Awesome. It was great. Awesome. Yeah, God is when, good. He, when he uh, sent me that video, he's like, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, <laughs> seriously? And he's like, oh, the Lord's going to heal my feet. And, and sure enough, a video of, of him running. And he's like, there's kids around. And he's like, it's a beautiful day to, to run. And, and feet are, are healed. You know, um, I just, the Lord calls us to run this race with endurance, to, to be steadfast, to, to not waver, to not to be moved to the left or to the right, to keep going. Um, and I love this conversation about adversity because that's what Jesus promised. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Like, you will have trouble, and we need to expect that, but there's, there's different ways for us to view that as followers of Jesus. Um, how is he going to be most glorified, and what does he want to teach us in this? Like, how is he going to show up in the midst of adversity? Um, now, I want to shift to the, to the end here. Uh, because you don't just go ahead and, and run 110 kilometers like tomorrow. Like, don't go do that. Don't go try to run to back and forth to Meyer tomorrow. Like, I don't want to, you know, see uh, all of you guys hobbling in here next Sunday and be like, oh, that was miserable. Like, there's, there's something that has to happen in order for you to be able to run 110 kilometers if that's what you so choose uh, to do uh, or whatever your goal is. But I think it fits in with uh, the heart posture that we have to have as followers of Jesus, especially in these uncertain times. Because um, Jesus talks about this, and, and I'm going to read uh, a large chunk here, um, and then we're going to get to verse 34, and I really want to highlight this and have this challenge us this morning. Uh, but let's start at uh, Luke 21, verse 20. Uh, Jesus is talking about the end times, and there's so much here that I can't get into uh, this morning. Uh, but he says, when, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And he goes on, and there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear, with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of God coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leave, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things take place, you will know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus says, this is what's to come. And he says, there will be people who will be fainting with fear. There will be people who will be overwhelmed by all that's going on. But then he looks to his disciples. And remember, he's talking to his disciples who are asking this question. And he's saying, this is how I want you to live. But watch yourselves, verse 34. Lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation 
or just like a foggy mind is what it was that that, uh, that word means. And drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day will come upon suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of God, Son of Man. I love how Eugene Peterson translated this in the message. Next slide there, Lauren. It says, but be on guard. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties and drinking and shopping. Otherwise, that day is going to take you by complete surprise. Spring on you suddenly like a trap, for it's going to come on everyone everywhere at once. So whatever you do, don't fall asleep at the wheel. Pray constantly that you will have strength and wits to make it through everything that's coming and end up on your feet before the Son of Man. This to me, at the very end, Jesus is saying, be prepared. Be prepared. Be ready. Train yourself. Like we have to know, like in this world filled with deception and filled with lies, we have to know the truth. And the only way that we know the truth is to be in the truth, to be with the one who is truth, to spend time with Jesus, to pray constantly, to train ourselves in godliness and righteousness. So Dan, why don't you talk a little bit about like the, the fact you didn't just go run in 110 kilometers, like just, okay, let, you know, Rose, we're going to Morocco, here we go. No, there was a, a plan and there was some things that you put in place to get yourself ready. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I, to summarize maybe the training plan is, is there's no shortcut. There's, there's no easy way. It, it takes discipline. It takes focus. Um, and it takes every day. So, you know, for this November race, I started training May 23. And one of the keys was uh, you start slow, right? So you don't start training. You don't wait to start training until you're in shape. You start when you start, and you get in shape, and you, so you start slow, and it starts every day, and you keep working and working and working, and eventually you see little bits of progress, and eventually you get longer and longer, and, and you, you do more. Um, I, I would say, you know, make, make your plan visible. For me, uh, the training plan was written out. It was on the wall. I looked at it every day. I knew what I had to do every day. I had planned in days off. Rest is important. You have to plan for it. Um, I would... Also, some things is, is it's unseen work. So there's nobody cheering for you during the training. There are There's so much unseen. You know, the race is so glamorous, and people see the pictures, and, oh, you're amazing, I could never do that. It, it, all the work is done behind the scenes, and I think that's the, a lot of parallels to our spiritual lives. The work is done in the daily reading and the time with the Lord. It's not coming up in front of the stage and suddenly you have it. It's all done behind the scenes. Um, and the last thing I wrote down here was it's, a, it's especially important when you don't feel like it. The, there are days where it's, it's, it's difficult and you think, ah, I, can, I can skip a day or I can do this or it's raining outside, I really don't want to run. That's when it matters the most. When you get out there and get after it and you do it anyways, that's when the growth happens. And I, my friend Eric is great at reminding me if you think there was something bad or a bad situation, but you grew from it and you learned from it, it wasn't really bad. Right? You redefine what hardship looks like. That's just how growth happens. That's what adversity is for. And I, maybe the, just the last thing I had was, um, you, you know, pain is not the enemy. At least in my training, pain isn't the enemy. The enemy is doubt, anxiety, and fear. 
and and that's what we work yeah. we work through. So you finished the race, right? Absolutely. Talk about the end. How'd that feel? I tell you that um, yeah, it would help to have a visual maybe, but the the course was built by somebody who who had an evil spirit, I think, because. <laughs> it, it, it's built around these 12-kilometer uh, checkpoints that you go through, and then, you know, medical will make sure you can still, you know, how many fingers and that kind of stuff. And and the last one, you looked at it and you think, okay, I've, I've you know, I'm pretty close, 162, 163 miles. I'm pretty close to the end. In the desert, you can see so far. So from the last checkpoint, you could see where the town was, where that finish line must be. You could see some trees. You could see some buildings. And you start running towards it, and I'm feeling great. And then all of a sudden you realize the math isn't adding up. I'm, I've, I've still got more to do than what that distance is, and then the course would turn left. And you turn back into the desert. So your back is now to the finish line. You're running back into the desert, and there's this big mountain that's sitting right there, and that is the final climb. You, you go out another couple miles out into the desert, back over the mountain, and then to the finish. And that's what you know, broke a lot of people. There was weeping and gnashing of teeth on that on that trail. But you know, Dave was asking me about that, and for me, that was that was the best. Like I I tore up that hill like it was nothing because I knew victory was on the other side. That was it. There was nothing holding me back past that last hill, and it was amazing. It was it was just easy to get up. Took some great selfies at the top, and then ran all the way to finish line. That was awesome. it was great. As Dan shares, as we wrap up, you know, here's a question that I have for you. How are you setting yourself up to run for the long haul? What are you doing on a, on a daily basis, daily basis, to run the race with endurance? To run the race for the long haul? You know, you're talking about that end, and here's that, that hill at the end, and, and, and many people are like, oh, that's, that, that, that just did them in. You know, even at the end of your life, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be hills. There's going to be things that, that we're going to have to persevere through. But the, the good news is, like, you know, that there's that moment coming. There's that moment coming for all of us, if we're followers of Jesus, when Jesus will look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. When we cross that finish line and receive the crown uh, that awaits us. Like, that should be the goal of our lives. And so, what are you doing today to run the race with endurance? Because often, like Dan said, like there's many miles that he ran when nobody's watching, just by himself, training over and over again. There's a lot to your life that nobody should ever see. Life spent in the prayer closet. Life spent in the Word. Like life spent saying, Jesus, I just want to know you more. I just want to grow in my relationship with you. Just show me more of yourself today. Show me areas of my life where I need to grow. Where show, show me areas of my life that need to go. Like I heard the gasp when I was reading that verse and it said shopping. Maybe shopping needs to go, you know? Um, no, but there's things that the Lord wants to do in our lives and prepare us to run this race with endurance because that is the goal in the midst of uncertain times. I'm going to have Dan uh, pray for us. Um, then we're going to sing, open the eyes of my heart. But uh, before Dan uh, uh, prays, he did inspire his mom at the age of 77 to run her first marathon in a couple weeks in Hawaii. So at 77, she's going to be running a marathon. So you can do it too. Why don't you pray for us, Dan? Father, thank you that you uh, give us the opportunity to come uh, in your presence. It's such an honor. Uh, we are just humbled by um, our experiences. We thank you that you promised to always be with us. And thank you for 
um, being faithful in that promise. We just pray uh, against anxiety and fear that does not come from you, Father. We just uh, pray for peace, uh, pray for hope uh, for the future. In your name we pray. Amen.